song that we just sang. Because already in 2018, we've had several in my life that have uh, been in the middle of a storm. But yet, Christ remains an anchor for us. Christ remains a source of strength and help. And, and this is what Jesus has done for us. And, and when I think about the world we live in, there are so many around us that don't know the hope that Christ brings. Maybe you have walked in the door this year and you're turning over a new leaf and saying, God, are you real? And I want you to know that he is and that God loves you. And, and, and we just sang this incredible truth that, that he has given us an anchor and, and he is our cornerstone. We just sang, which means that, that he's the foundation that we're standing on, and, and that's where we are. That's who we are. We're a, we're a people who, without apology, are surrendered to the, the voice of God and the call of God. And, and as we start 2018, there's so many things I'm looking forward to. You know, uh, I do want to say about, talk about our class coming up Wednesday night. We live in a world of skeptics, and, and, and there's a growing skepticism about the Bible, how we got this book. And for the next five weeks, we're going to dive into the details of, of how this book came to be, how God put it together, and why we can and trust it. And I hope that you join us. I hope you come on Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to record it, and it'll be on, we'll uh, put an audio recording online, but I do hope that you come. As I've prepared for this, as Rob and I, Rob Lewis and I have prepared for this class, um, there, there's been a statistic that has convicted me. Uh, I read a statistic that says 64% of pastors believe that a systematized study of the Bible is critical for spiritual formation. And it breaks my heart that only 64% of pastors in the United States believe that the Bible is critical for spiritual formation. Now, the reality is that's, we believe that. We believe the Bible is critical for the formation of our spiritual vision, spiritual life. And this is why every time we come into this room, we are in the Word of God. We believe that God's Word can be trusted. And I want you to know, as we become more confident and trust the Word of God, we will be more faithful to fulfill the call of Scripture. And so I hope that you join us on Wednesday nights. Also, men, uh, this Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., you might go, 6 a.m., are you kidding me? Jesus isn't up at 6 a.m. Yes, he is. He's awake. And we should be too. And if we can get in a deer stand and freeze our tail off before the sun comes up, we can come for three weeks and push one another to the spiritual discipline. So I want to challenge you. We're going to start on time, 6 a.m. Wednesday morning, and we will end at 7. So if, if you, you'll have plenty of time to get, some work, get to work. We'll have donuts and stuff. So, so it, there's no excuse. Come, men. And let's, let's be a part of challenging one another. This year, I'm excited about what we are planning for the men of our church. Uh, we're going to push one another spiritually more than we ever have. And I want to challenge you to join us this Wednesday morning. Now, uh, as we dive into God's Word today, I want to start with a question. Have, have you ever had a moment in your life when you knew God wanted you to do something? You knew it. And you just said, I ain't going to do it. No. No, I'm just not going to do it. You know, we've all had that, like, it's probably, probably every one of us, if we're honest, we've had moments where we, we, it's clear, God, you want us to do this, but you just say, no. 
Turn with me to the book of Jonah and, and this incredible story and an incredible book in the Old Testament. And, and, and most of the time when we think of the book of Jonah, we think of a, of, of a nursery. Oh, it's so cute. Let's have Jonah and the whale in our nursery. That'll be neat. But, but it's really a, a not much of a story of a fish. But it's the story of a man who knew what God wanted him to do and yet rebelled against God's voice. And what's interesting is Jonah was this, was a prophet. Okay, imagine with me the, the man of God that, that interacted with God, that sat with the Lord, that was used by God, and yet hears a message from God and completely says, I'm ignoring it. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to run away from the Lord. Now, you see in this incredible book that we're going to process over the next four weeks, you see Jonah with the sin of omission and the sin of commission. Have you ever heard of those terms? Uh, the sin of omission meaning he knew what God wanted him to do and he omitted it. He said, I'm not going to do it. And then he, the sin of commission, he committed a sin by running away, going in the opposite direction. And it's such an incredible image. You know, the story of, of Jonah, he was called by God. God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to the Ninevites. I want you to preach to them the message of salvation. And, and Jonah looked at, at God and said, no, I don't like them. I, don't, I, don't, I, I want them to go to hell. I want them to perish. No, I, don't, I, I can't stand those people. And here was God's man. The man called by the Lord that looked at God and, and, and said no. And yet in this incredible account that you see this, in, this amazing act of mercy of God. Because what does God do? He mercifully sends this big fish to swallow him. And I want us to see that's an act of mercy. You might go, wow, great. Thank you, Lord, for that. But see, God was at work in Jonah's life. God was at work in the world just like God is at work in our lives. And I, I pray that we can hear his voice today. Would you stand with me? And let's read Jonah chapter 1. This incredible account given by God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down in, into it to go, go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down and fallen asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we can learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us now, 
on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men became extremely frightened. And then they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to them, to him, what should, we, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? The sea was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not. The sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, you know, we live in a skeptical age. We live in a day where there's a growing skepticism about the Bible. And, and one of the things that I hear from uh, an unbelieving world is that, how can you believe, like, the Bible? And do you believe Jonah and the whale? Are you serious? And I just want to be clear, I absolutely believe that this was a true story. Jo- Jonah was a real prophet. He really lived. And there's several reasons that we're going to unpack over the next three four weeks, why we believe in this story, why, why we teach this as fact, because, um, you know, Jesus referenced it, and we'll look at that next week, um, but, but Jonah and the whale was a real account. It's a real story. Now, uh, I don't want us to get, um, uh, you know, too uh, uh, stuck on that, because the, 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 the fish is just a small part. Now, you see this incredible account of of the prophet of God. Jonah is a prophet. He was a known prophet. He was called by God to teach people the word, to to challenge people to follow the voice of God. And, And that was his call. And God had spoken to him. God had led him. And God comes to him on this day, go to Nineveh. And Jonah even says later on, we'll see that, God, I knew, I know that you would be gracious. I know that you would forgive them. And I don't like them. And see, this is how we often act sometimes, even as Christians, that, that, oh, well, we don't want that person to come to our church. We don't want that person to know Jesus. But the truth is, God loves this city. God loves people. And, and God is calling people to serve him. And here is, here is Jonah, and what is he doing? He's running from God. Now, point number one today, I want us to see, and I pray we embrace, and we, and we, li- we recognize this and put it in our hearts, it's this, that, that running from God never works out. And, and no matter where you are, no matter, maybe you, you have been running from the Lord. Maybe you're, you're, you're here at church today, but the, if you're honest about your life, you're running from God. And you know what? You can come to church every week and still be running from the Lord. Here's a preacher And he's got the word of God, and he's running from the Lord. 
So don't deceive yourself by saying, well, I'm a church. See, I'm not running. No, you can be at a church every week and be running away from the Lord. Now, what's interesting about, about this, you know, look at verse, verse 3 and stay with me in this text because it's so incredible. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, here's what that's like. That's like God telling you to go to the Bronx, but you say, I'm going to L.A., now, are the Saucedas here? Are they here right now? Are they in this room? There you are. Hey, they're in the Bronx. Stand up, you guys. I use that on purpose. See, um, the, uh, these are missionaries to the Bronx, and we support them. Yeah, give me a hand. And uh, what's cool about them is, is Becky grew up at First Owasso, and Jordan grew up at Calvary, and, uh, and now they're married, and missionaries of the Bronx in, in the New York, and their plane got delayed, so they... Got stuck with us today. I'm glad. Glad you're here. But, um, but this would be what that would be like. It would be like God saying, go to, to the Bronx, but you go, no, I'm going to L.A. That's exactly what was happening with Jonah. And, and, and what's interesting ab- about him, he, he's, he's fleeing from the Lord, from the Lord's voice. Now, now every one of us here, there have been moments that, that we have been tempted to flee from the Lord. And, I, and every one of us will face that temptation. We will be faced with the temptation, God, I'm going to disobey you. I'm going to run away from you. Isaiah had it right in Isaiah 53. He says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, we all have this temptation to say, God, I'm going to go my own way. I don't want to follow you, but here we are as believers in Christ. We have committed to Jesus that that we are without apology a group of people that are surrendered to God. We are surrendered to his will, not our will. And, And we are to hold one another accountable to live every day surrendered to the voice of Jesus, the voice of God in our lives. And see, this is where Jonah uh, or Jonah hears this word of God, and he's like, I'm not going to obey you. And all of us will face that temptation. We want to run away from the Lord. And, and you, know, you know what's Satan's trap to, uh, to get you to run away from him? You know, you may be here, and you're like, oh, Chris, I, I've, been, I've made a lot of mistakes. And have you ever noticed that when you, when you mess up, you face this temptation of, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to the Lord. I don't want to be around God's people. Man, I don't want to do that. You know, I, had a, I, had a, I have a dear friend that I love deeply, and, and he, um, he had a very public failure. And, um, and after this failure, it was in the news. It was just a really bad deal. And, um, and the way I was walking him through it and helping him through it, and, and, and he called me on Saturday after this thing, this event had happened on Thursday, and it was on the news. And he said, um, do I go to church on Sunday? And I was like, yeah, man, come on. We love you. We're with you. And, and you know, it's interesting as you face that temptation, if you've ever had one of those moments where you've just royally messed up, you're like, I don't want to go to church. But you know what happens when you come to the Lord and when even after you mess up and you come to the Lord and what does God do? He, he welcomes you like the prodigal son. 
He, he like it's like the um, I was so proud of our church that day because because when he walked in the door, man, people were going up and hugging him, saying, "Man, it's all right. We we love you. We're with you." You see, that's what the Lord does. But see, Satan throws that temptation at us. Don't come to the Lord, man. Don't turn to the Lord. Oh, don't go to God's people. No, no. See, we've got to avoid that temptation. Jonah was running, and what he needed to do was turn back to the Lord. And he, but, he, but he didn't do that. He, he, he fell into that trap. And, and, and I, it's, I think it's important to realize that, that God sees us wherever we are. He always sees where you are. You can't hide anything from him. And it's funny to me, the times in my own life I thought, well, God can't see this. I kept that from him. Whew, I'm sneaky. No, God sees us all the time. That's why David wrote, love the Psalm in 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around, will be, around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. So I want us to see that it should be our habit to run to the Lord. And so can, can we just start 2018 with this habit of let's run to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord. When we, let's go to the Lord when, when things are going well. And this should be a habit of ours. We're, we're going to run to the Lord when, when it's successful, when it's great, when, when things are going great. Let's run to the Lord. Let's run to the Lord when things are not going well. You know, that, that should be a habit that, that when I want you to see that, that, that coming to the Lord is the best place you can go. And so if you're here today and you're running from the Lord, can I just say, hey, whoa, whoa, come on, come back to him. Oh, you'll never regret it. It'll, it'll be, it's where you need to go. Darkness is like light to him. And maybe you're in a dark spot today. Isn't it encouraging when you're in a dark spot, to realize that darkness is as light to him? Don't you want to go to the one who can see when you can't see? I mean, that's, that's, that's why he's our anchor. That's why he's our, our foundation. Because he can see what we can't see. And see, Jonah knew this. He knew better than to run from the Lord but he did. And so look at verse, verse 4. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea. So the ship was about to break up. Now, Jonah was the prophet. Now, what's interesting about Jonah as a, as a prophet of God, it, it's, a, it's a picture of, of the call of God's people. Do you know that from, from the beginning of time, God's people were called to be the priest nation? They were called to reach the world. But, but God's people failed in that, that pursuit. They, they turned inward. They said, no, we're just going to reach people like us. We're just going to reach our own people. We're not going to reach the world. Notice that, that, you know, Jonah was Jewish. And God told him to go reach the Ninevites, who were Gentiles, Right? But he said, no, I don't want to reach the Gentiles. 
Boy, I think of churches are like that. Hey, I want you to reach the city, the people where you're planted. No, we don't want to reach people like that. Let's hear that. Because we're called to reach people with the gospel. Now, now Jonah wasn't preaching um, Jesus because he didn't know about Jesus yet. But Jesus was being revealed. You know, Jesus was, uh, the, 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 the prophets, they were writing things that, that were pointing forward to Jesus. And, and see, God loved the city of Nineveh. Even though they were wicked, God loved them. And see, I, I'm grateful that God loves wicked people. Because guess who we are? Wicked people. They need to be saved. They need to be, need hope. And sometimes we forget this. And, 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 and here's what I see. God, God, God sent a storm here. This, God sent it. Now, point number two is this, and I want us to catch, that, that God is serious about the evangelistic call. God is serious about this call. Now, we're going to unpack this a little bit more next week, but I want to say it today, that God is not opposed to sending a storm to get our attention. God's not opposed to doing that. God will send a storm sometimes to get our attention. And there have been times in my life that I've had storms that God has sent to get my attention. And we're going to look at that a little more next week. But, but, but I want us to see verse, um, my eyes are getting bad. i got to look at my notes here. Uh, verse 5, then the sailor, I'm getting old. Man, 2018 is going to be rough. Um, then the sailors became afraid. And every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down and fallen asleep. Now, can you imagine the captain of the ship? He's going, man, we're, we, I wonder if he was like looking for Jonah or if he was like trying to find more stuff to throw over to make the ship lighter. I don't know. But, but he goes down below and he sees him asleep. I can imagine him going, dude, are you serious? Get up. Man, we're, we're about to die here. We need your help. And how can you sleep through this storm? We're in trouble. And Jonah is, is asleep. Now, um, Robert is right back there. I, I, he sent me something this week. And um, Robert's going through a storm right now. And in the midst of his storm, he calls me, sends me a text message and said, I've been studying Jonah, and I, wanna, I found something. I think it's really interesting. And I'm using it right now. Robert sent me this. He said, what, what an incredible warning for those of us who follow Jesus as we hear about Jonah being asleep in the middle of this storm. You know, you know, one of the deepest convictions I have as a pastor, that we are a church that, that is awake during harvest time. Let me tell you something. There's a storm raging in our world. That, that you can't help but turn on the news and realize, my goodness, can you believe we are where we are? There's a storm raging. 
And I can't think of a more important time for us to be a group of people that is following the Word of God, that is awake, that is intentional, that is, that is sharp, that we're serving the Lord, that we're confident in what He said, and we are focused on sharing the gospel. Robert sent me this. He says, the nature of Jonah's sleep is also instructive and too much like the sleep of careless Christians. Jonah slept in a place where he hoped no one would see him or disturb him. Sleeping Christians like to hide out in church. You know, sometimes, sometimes we busy ourselves, ourselves with things to avoid what we need to do. Jonah slept in a place where he could not help with work that needed to be done. Sleeping Christians stay away from the work of the Lord. You know, God's got work for us to do. Jonah slept while there was a prayer meeting up on deck. Sleeping Christians don't like prayer meeting. You know what's interesting? Is, is Jonah, uh, Jonah was asleep while the lost guys are up there going, God, help us. And what I think is interesting, we live in a world that people all around us are saying, God, help us. And we forget that we're going, hey, yeah, we, we've talked to him. And we'll, he sent us. Uh, and Jonah slept and had no idea of the problems around him. Sleeping Christians don't know what's really going on. And I pray that we are the kind of believers that are so involved in this community that we are, we, we've got our finger on the pulse of our city, that, that we, reckon, we see our city like Jesus sees our city broken and, and engaged and focused. Jonah slept when he was in great danger. Sleeping Christians are in danger, but they don't, they don't know it. And I want you to know, I pray that we're never a believer that's, we're, we're, we're believers that are awake. You know, like Proverbs 10.5 says, for you gathers crops in the summer, it's a wise son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. Now, that's an uh, agricultural passage that says, hey, when it's harvest time, don't take a nap. And folks, for 2,000 years, in Matthew 9, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's going to be a day that Jesus returns, and the harvest is going to be over. Until that day, we are to be the workers in the harvest field. And I pray we're not asleep. Jonah slept while the heathen needed him. Sleeping Christians snooze while the world needs the me their message and testimony. You see, we forget that the people we work with, their greatest need is not a pay raise or not a marriage that doesn't end in divorce. Their greatest need is Christ. You know, our family, the greatest need is to, the problems that our families face, whether it's dealing with homosexuality or some moral issue or infidelity or pornography, that's not the greatest need. The greatest need is Christ. And see, we forget, and sometimes we're silent about the greatest need. And we can't be silent about this. You know, um, as, I, as I looked at this and I thought about Jonah being asleep, I couldn't help but think of Keith Green. You remember Keith Green? Do you know Keith Green? Keith Green was a long-haired hippie 
that got saved. And uh, I mean, I think he did quite a few drugs prior to his salvation, but, um, but he gets saved and, and he was of the like late 60s, early 70s. He was killed in a plane crash and became a, a worship leader and wrote a song called Asleep in the Light. Have you ever heard that song? You got to Google it. You got to, not right now, but later, Google that song. But he says this in, in the song, do you see do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come and yet you close your eyes and pretend the job's done? Open up, open up and give yourself away. You, you see the need, you hear the cries, so how can you delay? God is calling and you're the one, but like Jonah, you run. He told you to speak, but you kept holding it in. Oh, can't you see? It's such a sin. The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave. And you can't even get out of bed. So 6 a.m. Wednesday morning. I'm just kidding. That is good. You should come. You should come on Wednesday. There's a little little commercial there. Um, But folks, may we not be asleep in the light. Oh, may we not be asleep. Look back at verse, verse 6. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. It's interesting that they were like looking to his God. Maybe your God will help us. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so that we may see on on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and it fell on Jonah. They said to him, tell us now. On whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And they're like, they they, they worshiped his God after this. And what's interesting is, is they were like, oh man, what do we do? And Jonah says, throw me over. Oh, no, well, even they, they rowed against, oh, no, let's not do that. We don't want to make your God mad. They started rowing harder, but they couldn't overcome the storm. They couldn't fight against the will of the one true God, the only one that has ears, the only one that can see, that can respond. And they couldn't do it, so they said, okay, we're going to throw you over. And I, I want you to know God's serious about this call to share the gospel. God's serious about it. And, and, and I want you to see, following God is, is, a, is an important task for us. When you follow the Lord, Jonah experienced this, the, it's always going to be challenging when you follow the Lord. It's, 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 it, it's going to likely be uncomfortable for us. When we follow the Lord, it will expect uncomfort, discomfort. When, when you follow the Lord, let me tell you something, it'll all, it will always be significant. And I say this all the time, but when you follow the Lord, get ready for the greatest adventure you'll ever take. 
following the Lord is incredible. And, and, and Jonah was, was missing it. He was rebelling against it. Now, now for us, I, I want us to see the importance of the, of the story of Jonah. The, the big message, I think, is that God is serious about the evangelistic call. So here's a challenge for us. The challenge is this, that, and I want us to get it, and, and I think it's printed in your notes. But, but it's a challenge for us that, that this year we will share the gospel with as many people as your age. Now, here's what I mean by that. I'm 46 years old. That means I've, it's my goal, it's a goal for me, if I accept this challenge, I'm going to share the gospel with at least 46 people but during 2018. Now, John, you're older than me. You've got some work to do, buddy. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. But, but what if we did that? What if we accepted that challenge of we will share the gospel with as many people as our age? Think of the number of people that would hear the gospel in this room from this group of people. I challenge you to do that. God's serious about the gospel message and the gospel call. I mean, look at verse 10. Then the men became extremely frightened. They said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. And they said to him, what should we do to you? The sea may become calm for us. And so the story goes on, verse down, down to 16. After they do it, they, then they, the men feared the Lord greatly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. You know, it's interesting. I believe this story. Last week, um, I was uh, on a ski lift. We went skiing with our family. And uh, I, Emily and I and... Uh, another young man, we're riding up with a guy named Damon. Damon is really smart, graduated from Stanford. He's a doctor. And um, we're on this lift, and, you know, you can see where you're going on a ski lift. And so it's like, so, man, what's up? How, what's your name? And we start talking, and I get some information from him. We, he's about my age. And um, I asked him, I said, Damon, what, what do you think about God? And he goes, well, man, you just kind of get right to it, don't you? I go, well, I kind of do. You know, I may not see you again. We're just heading up this little lift here. Might as well just get right to it. And he goes, um, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. He goes, I I've spent my whole first half of my life reading things to get ready for my career. And I've read a lot, and I've pretty much got this down. And I'm starting to think about other pursuits, other things. And I said, well, cool. I said, well, can I tell you what I believe about God? And I said, um, I, I said if you're going to read something, can I tell you about a guy named C.S. Lewis? Interesting guy to me. I go, C.S. Lewis says this about God, about Jesus. A lot of people say about Jesus that he was a good teacher, he was a good man, he was a good leader. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'd buy that. So that's, that's good. I said, but C.S. Lewis makes the claim in mere Christianity that Jesus couldn't be a good man or a good teacher. 
if, if he lied, if he didn't really rise from the dead. Jesus, he says, according to C.S. Lewis, Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or, or he's Lord. And I said, so man, can I, I just want you to know, Damon, I believe in Jesus. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And that is such a, a, a big claim. That is such a crazy claim. That if it's true, man, that, that demands some investigation. He goes, yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. And I'm praying for Damon. I don't have his phone number. I don't have his way to contact him. He's a surgeon in Al- from Albuquerque. Stanford grad. But he needs Jesus. And see, point number three is something I, I don't want us to get stuck on. Because I may have lost some of you at the beginning when I said, I believe that Jonah and the whale is a true story. But point number three is this, that the fish miracle is not an intellectual leap. It's not an intellectual leap to believe this fish story. Some people think it is. But here's the thing, here's, and, and, and go with me here. I have, have swallowed the elephant of the resurrection. So I don't have a, I'm not going to choke on a crumb of a miracle like Jonah and the big fish. Because the resurrection, if Jesus can, can die and rise from the dead, then Jonah staying alive in the belly of a fish, that's not that hard. Okay? Jonah was a real prophet. We know this. Now, miracles, we know about this. Miracles are abnormally common occurrences throughout history. There have been many times that God has come into history and has, has done something that's not explainable by human intellect or abilities. It's outside of nature. Is Jonah and the fish outside of nature? Probably. But if Jesus can rise from the dead, you know what? That's nothing compared to conquering the grave. And let me tell you something. If Jesus conquered the grave, so will I. Because Jesus lives in me. And see, this is why the world needs Jesus. Because all of us are going to face the grave. And see, Jesus conquered the grave. And my friend Damon, all he's got is this world. And that falls short. That doesn't last. This is why we need to embrace this challenge and say, I'm going to share the gospel, the message of salvation with as many people as my age. I want you to know this, that if the, if the resurrection is logical, and I believe it is, then Jonah and this story, is, it's logical to believe it. I love what G. Campbell Morgan says, men have been looking so hard at the great fish, they have failed to see the great God. Do you know what our great God did? 
Paul wrote this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by man come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. See, Jesus conquered the grave. And that's why the gospel message is so important. And that's why we must be a church that is awake and focused and intentional and bold and powerful. And and we don't forget that the gospel message is powerful, that Jesus changes lives. He's changed my life. He can change your life. He can help you no matter what storm you're in, no matter what struggle you're facing in. Christ with you makes all the difference. Jonah discovered that. Yeah, he was reluctant. But I'll tell you, he stopped running from God. 